You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW, and welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with your host, Denise Eaton May. Denise is a former Human Resources Director and Assistant County Counsel who now practices employment law. She spent more than 10 years as a Deputy Attorney General handling public employee personnel matters. Now she shares her unique perspective with you, providing advice and dialogue for employers and employees as she tackles some of the common issues in the 21st century workplace. Now, here's your host, Attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May, and you're listening to KDOWAM 1220. We've been talking the last several weeks about the overtime rule. We all spent a lot of time (laughs) in uh, 2016. By the way, Happy New Year for 2017. And uh, at the end of the segment of this show, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the new labor and employment laws in 2017. But I just wanted to give you a brief update because we have been following the activities concerning the Department of Labor's overtime rule and regulations. As you may recall, the rule was to go into effect uh, on December 1st, and um, it basically uh, changed the salary threshold for which employers could determine exempt status uh, from overtime. It basically raised it from 40, excuse me, from 23,000 to about 47,000 and some change. And there was a lot of angst about that, uh, despite the fact that the rule had, had gone through a pretty extensive rulemaking process. And um, shortly before its implementation, we learned that uh, several states uh, went into um, eastern Texas to the district court and um, was able to obtain an objunction. We found out and learned and have discussed on the show that the judge found that the Department of Labor had exceeded its authority in determining the exempt status of employees solely on the level or amount of their salary, as opposed to also looking at all three tests, which we've always looked at as the salary tests and the duties tests and the the nature and extent of, of those duties. So when the judge decided to enjoying the implementation of these rules that the Department of Labor had been promulgating for for many, many months, uh, it was kind of a shock because a lot of people, uh, at least I know a lot of my clients, had all come together and redid a lot of their job descriptions, their salary schedules to conform and come into compliance with the new regulations that appeared to, for sure, fact. So once this injunction was... um, granted by the district court judge in eastern Texas, it was imperative upon the Department of Labor to decide what to do. Uh, They could file an appeal with the 5th District Court of Appeals, or they could just continue to try and fight the injunction. Now, it was important to note that it's a preliminary injunction. That means the judge is just saying, I'm halting it until I get a chance to look at it and see if I, what I think is the problem here, is truly the problem. Give everybody a chance to present some evidence on it and some information and let me look at it in more detail before you implement or um, go ahead and move forward with this rule. So what we learned was that the DOL decided to file an appeal with the 5th District Court of Appeal. And they filed what is called an expedited appeal. All of this 
with the goal of trying to beat the inauguration date of January 20th so that um, in the event that President-elect Trump and his administration decide not to want to support these particular regulations, there would be a determination on the record already, and they can't then reverse it. Um, but it, it's been a, an extremely interesting process, to say the least, um, to try and beat that uh, December, uh, excuse me, that January 20th day, 2017, which is Inauguration Day, um, was going to be a very, very tall order. Notwithstanding, I think simultaneously I reported uh, that we found there were several uh, groups that were seeking to intervene and file their own lawsuits with respect to implementation of the DOL's um, overtime rule. So, um, again, the DOL did file the expedited uh, appeal to the 5th District Court of Appeals, and um, we thought for sure that um, if the Court of Appeals were to rule, they would either say, nah, we're not going to expedite the appeal, it's going to go through the regular standard process, Um, nah, we're not going to stop the uh, injunction, uh, implement a stay, or anything of that nature. So now we found out that on January 3rd, um, a district court in Texas denied the DOL's motion to freeze a lawsuit from the 21 states in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce challenging the new overtime regulations. So what had happened is the DOL was requesting a hold on the states and the chamber's lawsuit until the 5th District Court of Appeals ruled on the government's expedited appeal of the preliminary injunction. Basically, they're saying the district court should never have stopped these rules from going into effect. And um, they basically, you know, were saying this rule should never have been blocked. If they had a lawsuit about it, they should have did it after implementation. Of course, the states in the chamber were saying, no, we we need to move forward and stop this from going into effect because um, one of the elements that they have to to show is that it would be detrimental um, and there would be... um, almost um, irreversible uh, damages if they were to proceed with this particular process. So we've been talking about what does that mean to employers? We're talking all this legalese and talking about what's going on in the courts. And, you know, this is one of many, as we've talked about before, one of many of the interesting things that uh, is going to be happening and how it impacts the workplace. I've been telling most of my clients that you need to hold fast. Um, If you implemented the changes in the regulations, it may be too much to try and reverse them at this point. And so I would just continue to um, act as if uh, whatever your plan was to put in place. And of course, the most important thing is going to be communication with those employees who may have to receive less than what you had already promised them because of uh, the uh, changes in the rules and the, the, the court uh, interference uh, with respect to the legislation and regulations. Um, those who have not implemented uh, some of the uh, plans that were being made to go into effect on December 1st, we're asking them to just Hold steady uh, until we can find out exactly what the uh, final implementation will be. So as of now, uh, when the federal, when the district court basically said, we're not going to freeze these lawsuits, we're going to let them uh, continue to move forward. Um, I know the states and the chamber were seeking uh, what we call motions for summary judgment and permanent injunctions, um, even while the appeal um, proceeds. So we understand that the Department of Justice filed a brief on December 15th 
that said that the preliminary injunction of the overtime rule that was granted by the district court in eastern Texas was erroneous and should be reversed. And, um, you know, I think that the Court of Appeals is saying, hold, 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 uh, we're, we're going to let these lawsuits go. We're going to look at the appeal um, from an expedited fashion and see if we can sort through all of this. And I think the most important part is to give some direction to um, the public, the citizens here, so we'll know what to do. Um, it's very um, difficult when businesses um, budget and decide to take plan, make plans with respect to changing um, roles and responsibilities. Uh, one client is a owner of a retail store, and um, they had made changes to their assistant manager who basically did the opening of the um, shop and basically did some of the closing. So that person may work. Um, in excess of um, eight hours a day, but because they were classified exempt and uh, had some discretion and were titled assistant manager, they didn't pay them overtime. But of course, when the salary threshold went into effect, they weren't paying that person (laughs) $47,000. So they decided that, okay, we'll pay this person overtime and try and stagger the schedules. Um, that's been proven difficult because just with anything and in running a business, people get sick, people take vacation, people take time off, and trying to stagger that schedule is not as easy and efficient as having one person that can open and close uh, the store. So there's been a lot of concern about what's going to happen here and how we're going to be able to implement, if any, uh, these rules, or are they just going to go by the wayside? Another wrench in the soup that we need to consider is whether Congress itself is going to pass another law or whether um, the individuals that have been chosen by President-elect Trump to take over the Department of Labor may decide to rescind some issues or change the dates of implementation of some issues. There's lots of room there for movement in those particular areas, and I think we're just going to have to keep a watchful eye. It's real important that we look at this because one of the things, and we know that most expensive Part of lawsuits in the last couple of decades have been in the wage and hour area, you know, the area where the employee indicates that they were not uh, able to take a duty free lunch period or were not given appropriate and timely rest breaks or they were not paid um, overtime. And dovetailing with the overtime um, argument has to be, was I classified properly? And if you were classified as an exempt under the old FLSA rules, then you were not be entitled to overtime. And usually the fight is over the duties. What did you do? Were you doing non-exempt duties for preponderance 51% of the time or not? So I think these particular rules um, and the court's decision is going to have a very large impact on how we look at um, our employees, how we run our businesses. And I think this is the first of many different aspects that we're going to look at on how the rules that we take for granted or have been utilizing for a number of decades can change and certainly change the manner and method in which we do business and the rights that are uh, distributed in the, the workplace. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Seaton May. 
We are going to keep our eye on the overtime rule, the injunction, the expedited appeal, and uh, all of the different lawsuits that are coming around so that we can stay abreast of what's going on uh, with respect to this rule. I find it very interesting to, to see this going on while we're uh, those of us who advise businesses uh, sort of stay kind of in the limbo status. Again, listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. If you ever have any questions concerning this show or any of our shows, please feel free to email me at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. You're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345. Or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. Now, back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. Just finished a brief discussion regarding the overtime rule. And as I indicated, we will definitely uh, keep our eyes out on next steps and what goes on next. I wanted to start off like I traditionally do, kind of looking at a few laws that um, need to be uh, noted for 2017. There are new labor and employment laws that California needs to um, look at as we now start 2017. I don't know about for you, but 2016 seemed to have gone by pretty fast. (laughs) But uh, we are now in 2017, and I think um, there are a lot of new things that are that are happening. Certainly, it will bring us a a new president, and uh, with that, will be new laws that affect employers, businesses, and employees. Um, one of the main laws that I think we all need to to look at is the minimum wage. We've seen a lot of activity around these issues. We've seen the DOL, um, even though they're fighting about the, the overtime um, issues, kind of stay away a little bit from the, the minimum wage. Um, but it's important to note that by 2022, California's mandatory minimum hourly wage will be $15.00 for employers with more than 25 employees. And that's important because in this legislation, the trajectory is to raise the minimum wage so that by the time it gets to 2022, all businesses with 25 employees or more will be at the mandatory minimum hourly wage of 15. So that means starting in January 1 of 2017, the minimum hourly pay will rise from $10 to $10.50. And this equates to about an extra $20 a week for full-time employees. But what's important is that you know that it's it's raising. And in California, it's raising, uh, it's going to raise several times over the next several years in order to be able to meet the 2022. This does mean that you're going to have to get new posters. You know, those posters in the wall that you come in and see in the lunchroom that post the minimum wage, uh, you will have to get new posters. And so those companies that are making those posters are going to have a lot of business, I think, for the next couple of years. <laughs> but um, you will have to make sure you're in um, compliance. Now, it's important to note, and this is something that I had to tell some of my uh, smaller business clients, that there is no state-mandated increase in hourly wages for the year of 2017 for businesses that employ 25 or fewer employees. That goes into effect in 2018. So 
it's important to distinguish that if it's 25 or more employees, and this is where we get into, is this person an independent contractor or is it an employee? And if he determines to be an employee and it takes you over the 25 mark, then you're obligated under the minimum wage law, and then you're not in compliance and you got to call somebody like me to come in and try and unravel all this. So this is where this classification of employees is very important. But if you know for sure you have 10 employees, I have businesses that have seven employees, um, the minimum wage of $10.50 does not apply to that group until 2018. Now, we all know that some municipalities throughout the state have kind of taken the minimum wage issue into their own hands. I I think San Diego's minimum wage will jump to $11.50 on January 1. We all know that Los Angeles County has set a minimum hourly rate, and it will become, I think, uh, $12 per hour on July 1. We know that San Francisco has done some of that as well, and uh, other uh, small cities, uh, large cities as well, have done some of the changes to implement the minimum wage. So it's important that you just stay on top of what those minimum wage are, uh, wages are and that you pay employees that come into your employee uh, the minimum wage amount. Um The other issue that I think is important that we still have a lot of room to to work through is the legalization of marijuana. So we all know that in November, California voters approved the legalization, actually the recreational use of small amounts of marijuana. So it basically permits residents to grow up to six plants for their personal use and allows people over the age of 21 to possess up to one ounce of marijuana. Now, we know that the possession and use of marijuana became legal on November 9th when the initiative was passed, when the ballot measure was passed. However, sales are barred until at least January 1, 2018, as well as smoking in public or in a vehicle. Even if the user is a passenger, that is still forbidden. Now, the issue becomes, can I use marijuana for medicinal purposes and go to work? Um, I think there are still lots of open areas uh, in that particular scenario as to how the employer must accommodate an employee who feels the need or has been prescribed marijuana to deal with their illness. We all know that you cannot be impaired at work. And so to the extent that it appears your ability to perform the essential functions of your job, your employer can send you home. Uh, You cannot come to work impaired. But what other type of accommodations do we need to do? Do we allow you to come in late so that if you smoke it or eat it or whatever uh, the medicinal use is at 7 in the morning, that it wears off by 10 and we alter your shift or you work less hours? Um, Do we differentiate between someone who smokes it um, and someone who eats a brownie at their desk as a snack during the work period? (laughs) Um, It's very, very open area for many, many HR professionals to review. And I think one of the First recommendations is to certainly look at your handbook and policies to make sure that the language covers the recreational use of marijuana, 
but that you um, remind workers that although California has legalized marijuana possession and use, it is not permitted on the job or on company property. And it's important that you have that in your policy. And I want to tell you this, because when we go into court or when, when an employer gets a demand letter or when an employee comes to me, the first thing we look at is the personnel file and the employee handbook. What's the company policy on this? Have they implemented the policy? Have they followed the policy? Have they applied the policy evenly to everyone to whom it affects? And so I really, really emphasize to businesses that you got to have an employee handbook. you got to be able to have some kind of policy. And this applies across the board. I recently had a case where it was a small business They have been operating for many, many years, sort of like a mom-and-pop business. Very, very good people. But got that one employee who decided that I can do this job without a whole lot of instruction. And he came in there. He worked excessive amounts of overtime. And all of a sudden... He started complaining about the way things were and how the business wasn't run efficiently. Now, this is a mom-and-pop business that's been in business for maybe 15, 17 years. And this new employee comes in and complains and complains. So finally, you know, the owner kind of says, you know, this is just messing up morale. I'm having to go after this person. Um, This person says they're going to be in at 6. I get there 6.30. They're not there. Um, They're supposed to open up, get things going. Just a lot of problems. Of course, what did that employee do? when you get an attorney, okay? And he comes back and he says, you know what? All the time I worked there, I never had a duty-free meal period. I wasn't given breaks. It was so busy. The line was always out the door. I never was given breaks. I would work overtime, and the owner would tell me, we don't pay overtime. And what happened? Well, when the letter came in, it basically raised over a period of two years (laughs) that this person hadn't gotten lunch period. So lunch breaks. So... Even though it's only $12 or $14 an hour, you multiply that times 300 days times two years, you're talking about a little bit of money, plus the penalties that the Department of Labor is going to put on if you can't prove the employer that you had given them (laughs) those particular um, meal breaks, uh, duty-free meal breaks. So where do you go? You look in the policy. Look in the manual. And that's what will save employers in being able to decide, you know, did in, did I in any way impact this employee's rights to be able to have a duty-free meal period? Also, you have to have a mechanism of tracking it. Um, and I think this is just, you know, the legalization of marijuana has just affirmed the fact that you need to be able to emphasize in your policies and procedures manual or your employee handbook that neither the smoking of marijuana or use of marijuana is permitted on the job or on property uh company property. Now, um, there's going to be a lot of problems at work. Um, You know, we'll have to kind of watch what's going on and how marijuana is used and, you know, how it's all going to be um, implemented. And I think this is something that's going to certainly uh, change um, our accommodation rules with respect to um, the use of legalized drugs in the workplace. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. I invite you to visit my website at www.employmentsolutionsatyourfingertips. It's uh, there to be able to give you any ideas of 
questions that you might want me to answer, if you want to call in, the number is there. Um, it's a website that is interactive so that I can address your questions. So please feel free to visit the website or alternatively send me an email at d.may at eaton-maylaw.com. Again, we just went over a few of the laws that California is going to have to greet in 2017, the labor employment laws. And on our next show, we'll go into a little bit more detail of some of the other labor and employment laws that can inflict employees as well as employers in 2017. You've been listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. And join us again next week at this time for Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips on AM 1220 KDOW.